Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Um, I have the privilege and honor uh, to introduce a guest speaker today. Uh, he's been in our church before, a uh, great communicator, a uh, professor at uh, Vanguard University. Uh, I've tried two or three times to get him in, and every time he uh, very politely declined because he was already speaking at another church. And so, man, I had to get on my game and start getting a little earlier. And so we were able to bring him in, uh, a great communicator of God's word, uh, one of, if not the uh, most favorite professor of uh, Pastor Brett's. Uh, he completely, he absolutely enjoyed him. In fact, that's the one reason he, he didn't want to stop going to school is to be able to hang out with uh, uh, Pastor Bill Doctrine, Dr. Bill Doctrine. Uh, he kind of goes by both. And so I want to invite you up onto the platform. And he has a word. Yeah, give him a, grunt, a welcome. He has a word from the Lord for us today. Thank you so much. It's so good to be uh, back with you again and uh, look out over our congregation and see some, some familiar faces. I was going to say old friends. Um, that's Probably most of my friends actually now are, are, are old friends. Um, but it is uh, good, especially in this conversation on fasting, you know that a lot of churches are setting aside this time, which I think is a good way to kind of, I don't know if, if, if you know it, but uh, 2024 is shaping up, man, it's shaping up. And um, are, are we ready? are we ready for this? Because sometimes it's like, let's just stay in our jammies and pull the covers over our head and hope it goes away. And the thing is, the fact, I mean, you guys know this because Pastor Tom was talking about this last week. You don't get to do that. You're the people of God. If there's ever a time for us to be engaged and present and involved in the, in the world, it's right now. This is, these are exciting times. I told my class graduating last year, um, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a use up, use by date on, on me. You, you know what I mean? It, it, it sooner or later, the clock is going to stop ticking. And I look at my 22 year old, 23 year olds launching out into ministry and I am, it's not right, but I'm jealous, envious at least. Uh, I would just love to be able to head into a world that is so fragmented and so falling apart because all of the ways that we have tried to make life work are patently not working. And it's, it's just in your face, isn't it? You can't miss it uh, unless, unless you've got a life or a lifestyle that, that kind of buffers you from it. So how do we prepare for that, for ministry on the 24-7 that is, is not about getting people to come to church, but about the church going to be where the people are, where it's needed the most, yeah? Uh, Jesus never intended you to invite people to church. He intended you to be the church where the people were. Now, of course, they'll show up because he adds daily to the church those who are being saved somewhere else. And that's the mission that he's... Now, how do you, how do you, how do you game up? For that kind of a life. And of course, as Pastor Tom, if you haven't heard the sermon from last week, go back and listen to it, uh, because that sets the foundation really well for how fasting 
kind of is this crossfit of the spirit, the gymnasium that Jesus went into in the desert that, that sealed his identity as the son of God. Anybody need some sealing of identity every once in a while? Because it gets, it gets pummeled, doesn't it? It gets pinged every once in a while, and then and last week brought us into the conversation on fasting and how that works to seal in us things that, that we need to have sealed into us, but it also burns off of us some of the parts of identity that we've kind of cobbled on that are not truly ourselves, and fasting does that. Uh, and I want to continue that conversation. As you know, maybe in the Old Testament, uh, fasting was uh, primarily about lament, a sorrow. We, we've become aware that we've gotten off track, that, that we've lost our way, and fasting is a way of repentance and bringing us back home again and reminding us of what's most important. It, it embodied national and personal sorrow over what had been happening and, and was a, a regular part of the rhythm of Judaism in the Old Testament, a way of humbling in the face of hardship, a way of, of, of reminding us uh, that, that, that the, a lot of the hardship that we are experiencing we have brought on ourselves. The Old Testament um, uh, understanding theologically is that we are not punished for our sin. We are punished by it. This is not how God intended the world to work. And, and, and as long as we can kind of think that sin, uh, this, this our broken ways, that God kind of acts to... But the Old Testament is clear. No, 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 no. If you put, if you put water in the gas tank, you shouldn't expect the vehicle to run the way it used to run. You're punished not by it, but for it, but by it. And, and, and repentance, stop putting water in the gas tank. Don't, don't be doing that anymore. Uh, we, 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 we need to, to, and fasting accompanies and intensifies that. But then, as, as Pastor Tom pointed out last week, Jesus reframes fasting not as something about negation, but it's something about in, in engagement, not about just saying no, but about saying yes at deeper and more profound levels. In fact, when um, he is questioned on it, Jesus says this. We're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 2, verse 18. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and some of them came to Jesus and said, How, why did John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but yours don't? And Jesus answered, well, how can they who are guests of the bridegroom fast when he is with them? They can't. So long as they have him with them, but the time will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and on that day they will fast. So Jesus says fasting is a spiritual practice, a discipline for the in-between times. Because remember, the bridegroom in, the old, in, the, in this current cultural moment is a, is a, is a twofer. The bridegroom uh, uh, announces betrothal to the bride and then goes away to prepare space 
to prepare a place for her from which he will return and receive her to himself. Does that language sound at all familiar to you? It's John chapter 14. And, John, and Jesus is saying, right now we're in phase one. So the bridegroom's friends don't fast. They're celebrating the, the, the engagement. They're celebrating the betrothal. And when he goes away to prepare the place, then they'll fast. They'll enter into this, this discipline of in-between. We've just come out of, uh, in the classical church calendar, the season of Advent. Advent is not first historically about preparing for Christmas. In fact, I think... I think in some ways our current Advent has gotten hijacked by Christmas. We forget that Advent is not first about incarnation. It's first about return. It's first about the promise in a broken world that is damaged and damaging that Jesus is coming back. And it's a, an orientation of our heart. You'll notice all of the readings in the classical church calendar uh, uh, in Advent are about second coming. So we enter into that awareness. And here we live in, in, in the in-between, in between the first coming of Christ, in between the will you be my bride invitation to new life in Christ and I'm coming to take you home. Not always in the sense of death, but in the sense of return and and restoration to the world. Anybody think the world needs to be restored? This is the nature of justice. Not retributive, punitive, but restorational. God is going to reconcile. God is going to restore. God is going to renew. This is, if you want to look at what it looks like at the end, go to the beginning and where God breathes love over the creation and says, this is good. This is good. We're a long way from good right now. And he says, can you enter into this waiting period with me? Because right now, the bridegroom, they don't fast because I'm with them. Well, we're in the in-between now. So fasting is both a look back to what God has done in Christ on the cross, but it's also a look forward to what is coming. It's, a, it's an invitation to prepare him room. It is an invitation to take what we have turned into a Christmas carol, joy to the world. The Lord has come and realized that's not about Christmas. That's about the second coming of Jesus. And fasting prepares our hearts to receive him as he comes to restore us. It's a looking forward, keeping our attention, focusing forward, preparing him room and and lifts attention. Out of, the, out, of the, out of the now into the not yet. Out of the awareness that for all intents and purposes, the victory has been accomplished. But the final execution of that victory yet remains. So fasting has that function, has that purpose. It's, it's training us for that, and, and it has a, this kind of theological purpose that focuses uh, towards that. But, so, but Jesus, so Jesus is very concerned that when his people fast, they don't fast 
uh, with, with sorrow. They, they, they fast with joy. They fast with an awareness. Oh, the game, the, the final score has been determined, but it's not too late to decide to be on the winning side. The game is over. We know the final score. And, and, and here, here we are. We're, we're, used to, we're used to finding out the score at the end of the game when we thaw the football out and discover that the Chiefs know how to play better ball in frigid conditions than the Dolphins. I mean, come on. You send the Dolphins out in sub-zero... Ter- anyway, sorry. <clears throat> so, but, but here we are. The, the game has been decided, and you can choose to be on the winning side uh, in knowing what the outcome is going to be. So Jesus says, uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 16, when you fast, Matthew, when you fast... Don't put on this somber expression like the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. I tell you, they've received their reward. They get the Instagram posts. They get the likes. They get the heart. Don't be like that, he says. When you fast... Get dressed, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, only to your Father who sees in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Oh, did you hear what Jesus is doing with fasting now? This is about intimacy. This is about relationship with the Father. This isn't performance art, fasting for the sake of being seen. This is about drawing near. This is about sitting satisfied. You hear Psalm 131? Lord, I I don't occupy my mind with things too great for me. My heart is not stirred with stuff that I can't figure out. There's a whole boatload of that. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother, so my soul is at rest in you, O God. Fasting is a statement of enough. If I have you, I have enough. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Now, I memorized it want to, but I discovered that my wanter is a little bit needing some education. Anybody else's wanter need some education? I want stuff even after I have everything I need, <laughs> right? So, so I, I think the, the idea is I shall not lack. I, I, if I have him, even if I don't have enough to eat, I shall not lack. I, if I have him, even though I'm not completely healed, I shall not lack. Jesus says to know the Father is eternal life. This is not some direction that we're pursuing. In fact, if you read Revelation, you're not going to heaven. Heaven's coming here. Heaven is to be where the Father is. 
Heaven is to be engaged in what the Father is doing. So Jesus says, when you guys fast, don't do it as performance art so that people ask you why you're being so grumpy. Because there's nothing quite like not having enough of what your body has conditioned itself to need to discover how much in charge of your mood your body actually is. Right? If I'm not kind and gentle until I've had my coffee, I'm not kind and gentle. (laughs) I'm medicated is what I am. Anybody, right? So, so, So fasting pushes back against our body trying to push us around and says, I don't, I don't need to depend on having my appetite satisfied to be okay. I'm all right. It's one of the three marks of Jewish piety, fasting and prayer and alms. And Jesus goes after all three of them, reframing them in Matthew chapter 6. And he, he expects us, not if you fast, but when you fast. Uh, the, the, the typical pattern was two days a week, two meals in sequence. So, so there, this is a, a culture that is used to this, but he is, he, he's, he's noticed how people, and, and this happened back in the first century, it doesn't happen anymore, but people hijacked religious practice for social status. Now, like I said, this doesn't happen anymore. Mm. Don't you just hate it when Jesus reads your email and goes after you know, even that little scintilla of self-righteousness that occurs. I'm skipping, I'm skipping, I'm skipping meat this, this, this week. I'm, I'm watching an hour less uh, television. And I feel so good about myself. That's actually not quite the point. He invites us to a deeper awareness of what's going on here and trains us towards intimacy with the Father, trains us towards kindness when we're not thinking about it. I don't know if any of you, do any of you guys do the word? You get a word for the year and pray through that? I've never done that very much. Every once in a while, though, some word will just drift in and get stuck. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, this year, I think I got somebody else's word. Because the word was submit. It's like, can I get a different word? Is there anybody? uh, Where's returns, Dad? Where's customer service here? I I don't want that word. But then, and and here's what it really, I haven't talked about this too much, but this year there came a practice to train me in the word. And it was to let people in at the juncture of the 405 and the 55. (laughs) You know those people. You know those people. I'm in the line. I've gotten into the line. I'm in the line. And they're sneaking in like they're more important than me. My little Honda Fit, my urban assault vehicle. I'm going to keep you straight and narrow. It's my job. I'm responsible for the stewardship of the interchange between the 55 and the 405. Somebody's got to do it. I volunteered. 
And all of a sudden, the word drops in, submit, and the practice is let them in. Jeez Louise, come on. How how can that be? Because the word submit means to give way. I don't have to have my own way. I don't have to have the last word. I don't need to be understood. I can let others lead. I have a feeling he knows what he's doing when he invites me into that word this year. Fasting functions like that. This is about intimacy with the Father. It's about being kind and gentle when I'm not thinking about it. Because I can be fairly good when I'm thinking about it. Anybody else? If you've got enough prep. I mean, you know, it's the sneak attacks that get me. Where what I'm really like kind of bubbles up. And, 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 and then it's then not so much. And he says, here's, here's what I want you. I want you to be so in love with the Father who you learn in secret that that love will be naturally what comes out when you're in places that are not secret. Using our body to train our souls to relationship with the Father. This is one of the gifts of, of, of uh, we don't talk much about it in, in, in our circles, but the gift of the body is that it can, it, it, it can help us because it will, generally speaking, respond to demands. It will kneel when I make it kneel. It will raise its hands when I choose to do that. And you'll notice what happens when you raise your hands, your affect lifts. You lift up your, your head. This is what worship is about. Raising, raising hands isn't volunteering. It's surrendering. It's a, it's a, it's a lifting up of the, of the soul. So when I choose to use my body, appetites, desires... To shape my soul towards intimacy, towards closeness, towards place of presence, I'm saying, I want to submit this gift that God has given me to the Holy Spirit for Him to use to shape my soul towards intimacy. I want to know Father more than anything else. Don't you? And fasting is one of the ways Jesus says... Your father sees in secret. This is why when he talks about prayer, he talks about going into the, into the family room, right? Because he, he, he's going to do the same thing when he talks about prayer. He's, he's, don't, don't do it as performance art. When you pray, go into the, into the family room. What, where is it in your, in your home? Where is it that family conversations take place? That's what he's talking about. When I, I was a kid growing up, it was around the dinner table. It was the kitchen. Uh, if you got invited into the living room, something, somebody died. <laughs> you know, something was going down. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, want to talk about that. But that's what he's inviting us into. Same thing with fasting, using our body to partner with the Holy Spirit to train us towards intimacy with the Father, towards knowing the Father. So much so that Paul um, says in First Timothy chapter four, writing to his his young friend, train yourself to be godly. 
Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. Do you see what he's doing here? This isn't... This is the, the work and the will. If, if you want to know what the will of the God is, it's this, that you be godly. But you can resist that. You can resist that. And so Paul says, don't resist that. Train yourself to be godly. Because he says physical training, physical exercise is of some value. But godliness has value in this life and in the life to come. It holds promise for the present life and the life to come. This is one of my favorite verses. Not the first part of it, but the second part. Physical training only has limited value. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not an athlete. I know, it's hard. Never been an athlete. My favorite exercise is jumping to conclusions what I do. But this text says there is value in physical exercise, but you really want value? Invest, because the word for train is the Greek word that supports the idea of gymnasium. Get to the gymnasium of the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be your personal trainer. And the outcome Godliness, which unlike physical exercise, has value both in this life and in the life to come. So this idea of training us towards goodness and generosity when we don't get what we want. Um, this is, this is um, the hard learning, isn't it? Uh, you, you, you have all been given uh, the gift of anger. You might not think of it as a gift, but it really is. The problem is that it's gotten hijacked by our desires. Anger is the gift that God gives to signal boundary violations. So somebody touches you in a way that's not appropriate for the nature of your relationship, anger signals that violation. Do you see? Now, it's not always very helpful in responding to the violation. That's where spiritual practices need to teach us how to be self-controlled so that we can respond appropriately. Jesus says, I want you to get so good at this that when somebody slaps you on the right cheek, you have a moment's awareness of the boundary violation and can so be so self-controlled, i.e. controlled by the Spirit, that you can choose not to retaliate and instead turn the other cheek. You did read the fine print. That's where this is going. He wants us to become the kinds of people in a hostile, violent, shaming world that can absorb the attacks of shame and not retaliate, not revenge, not seek response. How else do you think we're going to diminish the anger in the world, the outrage in the world, except by becoming the kinds of people who can absorb it and not spit it back out in revenge. Eddie Hellesum, one of the Jewish mystic writers of the second 
World War, Jewish, Christian, uh, Dutch, same contemporary of Anne Frank, you're familiar with her writing, wrote in her diary as she was heading off to the uh, camp at Westerbrook and then finally to the concentration camp, Auschwitz, where she died. She says, our job, my job, is to absorb a little bit of the hate and anger in this world and thereby make it a better place. How do you prepare for that? Because we're good at the quick response, aren't we? In fact, we don't even have to think about it. I'm already acting as your hand is coming up to slap me. My body has been trained in reaction. But Paul seems to think I can retrain my body into response rather than reaction. I got a clue of what that might look like years ago. I don't know if you ever have watched any of the uh, coverage of the day that President Ronald Reagan uh, was uh, uh, attempted assassination. There's a Secret Service agent that as soon as he heard the first shot, jumped into the path of the bullet. That's not natural. How did that happen? How did he get that way? Short answer? Training. He trained himself to a counterintuitive response. Anybody think we need counterintuitive responses to the brokenness of our world? We're going to have plenty of opportunities for brothers and sisters in Christ to be outraged this year. Can we become the kinds of people who can absorb the pain and animosity and misunderstandings? And instead of vomiting it back out with vitriol and revenge, just hold it and offer it up as our sacrifice and thereby reduce some of the evil in the world? Paul seems to think you're going to need to get some workout time before that time. So he says, get to the gym, train yourself towards goodness and generosity when you don't get what you want so that you're not pushed around by your body, by your appetites, by your even good desires. We don't have to get what we want in order to be okay. This is especially helpful for uh, if any of you yourselves are, are, are working with others who are battling addictive behaviors or gluttony or any of the things that the body has kind of gotten uh, co-opted in, into. When I'm walking with women and men out of pornography, for example, fasting is a, is a great way to, to train the body. It's, it's kind of on the side because it says, I'm, I'm going to be okay if I don't get what my body demands in this moment. And fasting can, can, can train us in, in this practice. And then you realize, oh, wait, that works over here too. Do, do you see what he's doing here? He's inviting us into this kind of Swiss army knife of a spiritual discipline that, that, that as I engage in this, as it, it changes the texture of my marriage. It changes the texture of how I live with my roommates. It changes the texture of how I respond to that boss at work. This is, godliness begins to bubble up through the cracks and crevices of the brokenness of the world and starts to transform it. 
So he invites us into this, 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 this um, uh, practice. Now, a couple more things just before we're finished here. Because also fasting has this purpose of, of intensifying and focusing for the purpose of discernment. And learning what God's purposes and will are for the community, for individuals here. In Acts chapter 13, the church at Antioch, there were prophets, teachers, Barnabas, Simon, Lucius, Menaean, uh, Saul. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called, called them. So after they had fasted and prayed... They placed their hands on them and sent them off. Do you see the role of fasting here? They were worshiping and fasting, and fasting had so purified their hearing that they were able to hear the Holy Spirit say, I've already talked to Barnabas and Saul about this, but I want you as a community to set them apart and make them missionaries, representatives on your part. Fasting had had. had Turn down the white noise, the distractions. Anybody battle distractions? Especially when you go to pray. Especially when you go to worship. So here they are worshiping and fasting. And the worship was, was if I can say it this way without being misunderstood, almost purified focused, intensified by the fasting, and out of that worship space comes the voice that they have learned to recognize as that of the Spirit. Set aside Barnabas and Saul. Now notice how they responded to that. They prayed and fasted. They, they, because what does fasting train you to? It trains you away from your desires, desires, not that they're illegitimate, not that they're wrong. It's just that I'm not going to be pushed around by my desires. What, what do you think? Sit with this for a minute. You have, as one of the teachers in your church in Antioch, the Apostle Paul. You think you're going to send him on a missions trip? I'm suspecting they wanted to keep the boy around. Here's somebody who knows stuff. I want to learn from him. And the Holy Spirit says, enough. You guys have had him long enough. Send him out with Barnabas. There's other folks that need that message. And in order to set aside their personal desires, their personal preferences, how had they been trained in saying no to their corporate desires? By saying no to their physical desires. So much so that they were able to say, no, this is really what God's heart is. We're not just going to release him. We're going to pray him out. We're going to support him. We're going to be, we're going to be cheering him on from distance. We have brothers and sisters all over the world who need us to be praying and fasting. And, and, and I mean, I'm thinking particularly of our brothers and sisters who are missionaries in and around Gaza. In, in Iran, in all parts of the world, where our natural desire might be, oh God, keep them safe. Oh God, don't let anything bad happen to them. Oh God, protect them. Oh God, get them out of there. What if they're such a time as this, people? What, what, if, 
What if the last thing they want you to pray for them is get us out of here? Because they want to be absorbers of evil in the places they are. And in order for me to anchor my heart, anchor my intercession in the will of God rather than the will of Bill, I need to fast. I need to not get pushed around by my even spiritual desires of love. Anybody been cared for too much by somebody whose care pushed you around? Paul says, or excuse me, the, Luke says here in Acts, they had purified their desire, enabling their discernment. So then when Paul comes back, here, here we are, verse four, chapter 14, they preached the gospel in that city, Derby. This is Paul and Barnabas now. Large number of disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the Lord. We must go through many hardships, Paul says, for the kingdom of God, they said, Paul and Barnabas then appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. You see how fasting works here again. It's a purification. It's a setting apart of elders. It's a place of saying, here's this, this focused intensity in prayer. You guys, you're going to be heading into some tough stuff. You're going to be dealing with some hard things. These are going to be challenging circumstances, hardships, entering into the kingdom of God. How do you prepare for that? How do you prepare to lead in that kind of space? You can't do it from your desire level. You've got to learn it from having your desires submitted so much so that the fruit of the Spirit that is self-control is growing. So fasting here is this, is this, is this um, invitation to intimacy, but it's also an invitation to effectiveness, an invitation to discernment. It's a way of empowerment, especially for charismatic leadership, leadership empowered by the Spirit. Do we need some of that? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we sit with this uh, series of texts and these ideas, and the invitation couldn't be clearer. And I'm thankful for this community and this pastor and this uh, place that has, has taken you seriously in your invitation to step into these practices, these, 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 these ways of engaging the Spirit, first drawing near to you in intimacy as we live in this in-between time, not to lose focus, not to lose heart, to be people of hope, ambassadors of hope, uh, but also, O oh Lord, to um, <laughs> partner with you in the coming of that kingdom, discerning in our worship, uh, sending, uh, equipping, uh, Lord, we want to um, uh, surrender ourselves to you in all of this and pray that you would receive glory and honor as we worship you, as our hearts are devoted to you, but also, Lord, as we serve you as your ambassadors in this space and this time. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. 
Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.